the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. I always had a mind that was tinkering as a kid. Las Vegas is going to host a Formula One race in 2023. A section of the track will include the strip. That's cool. That sounds like a video game. Formula One is doing well in the United States, finally. It's like world soccer has always been a thing, and then it comes to we catch a little fever in the United States, and it sticks for a while. Will fad turn into a, a fiction, or will fad turn into, you know, sticking? But Vegas getting the Formula One race, and Netflix has done something kind of interesting. They're not paying for live sports yet, but they're doing a lot more sports programming around live sports. There's a Formula One race reality show on Netflix. It's really popular. I don't understand that world and I don't have time for it. But if I was a young man looking for a career, if I was a young man looking for an investment opportunity, if I was looking young, I would say this seems to be catching America's interest. There's smoke there. Elsewhere in the news, Mortgage rates continue to spike, hitting their highest level since 2018. If you're a real estate investor and you like things at all-time highs, that's bad news. Russia returned control of the Chernobyl nuclear site to Ukraine. That makes me feel a little bit better. I can't talk about Russia Ukraine without sounding like an idiot. But the whole nuclear thing on it, just that seems problematic. Americans can choose X for their gender on their passports. One of a series of moves the Biden administration announced on Transgender Day of Visibility. Um, I just want people to be safe in their love lives. I want people to be safe in their life. I want people to be safe when they travel. I don't care what you identify as. I just want people to be loving and safe. But that's a weird one. Like That's one where we're like, okay. Do I see room for problems with that? I do. Get someone who's racist, get someone who's a bigot, get someone who doesn't, uh, who's had problems in that, that area. I don't know. Those are, I save my energy, my mental energy for other things. I just, that's not my issue, right? It's just, I can't have the brain for that. I don't have it. Elsewhere in the news today, two Amazon warehouses voted on unionization. They're still counting. That's going to be a big story over the weekend in my world. A Facebook bug reportedly amplified misinformation instead of stifling it. So it says a massive ranking failure of Facebook's news feed, heavily distributed post containing nudity, violence, and false information. That's not a surprise, is it? That an algorithm went wrong? It kind of is a surprise. Of note, Mark Zuckerberg is starting the Zuck coin today. Um, it's tied in with a hedge fund. It says on the coin, it features two Zucks, uh, a younger Zuck and a forward-looking Mark Zuckerberg. So he's starting his own coin. This is not a digital currency. This is not a crypto coin. This is a real coin that's going to be used in the metaverse. And under his two twin images, it says, I am mostly trustworthy. 
Um, very interesting. It's got him with the crazy hair and it's got him with the controlled hair. And yes, it's my idea of an April Fool's joke. No Zuck coin for you. No Zuck coin for me. A Zuck buck. Come on. It's got to work, right? Um, I hope this company is what I think it is. GoPuff. They got more than 400 employees as part of restructuring. No, GoPuff is not a marijuana company. And there's a big marijuana bill in front of Congress today on decriminalizing as well as maybe legitimizing the banking angle. GoPuff is not a marijuana company, but it should have been. It's one of those ultra fast delivery companies. And I don't get it. Again, there's areas where I'm like, eh, I'm going to save my brain for other things. When I started seeing 15 minute deliveries, I'm like, no, 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 no. My brain needs to figure out artificial intelligence. Um, there was another company that was an ultra fast delivery player who pulled in 15 million in funding and their business model was to get inside your house and put the groceries in your fridge. They had to deal with DoorDash. They had $17 million and the company called fridge out of business. So two of them went down this week. And I throw that down there for you just because I think it's kind of important that we know that some ideas, they sound stupid and they are. Apple finally made it harder for thieves to make money on your stolen phones. They can no longer wipe them. The phone is identified with you if you uh, announce it as stolen. It'll be thrown in the Apple database. And when they try to power it on at the store, it's stolen. That's good. Long overdue. Former Shopify employees have launched their own startups. And by the way, do I see problems in the Apple uh, area as well? Yeah. How about boyfriend, girlfriends who buy phones on his plan or her plan and they break up and suddenly he's spiteful. He could report it as stolen and her phone gets deactivated. Oopsie. Three former Shopify employees have launched their own startups. That's always interesting when you see companies that can seed and sprout other companies. Tesla has done it in the electric vehicle market. Apple's done it with a lot of software. You'll every now and then see companies try to copy a Netflix or companies like uh, Netflix try to, you know, have a couple of employees who are like, yeah, the money's been made here. Let's go start on to a new venture. It's part of the American way. Venture capital is a young man's game. I'm too old to start a company again. Don't want to. I'll pass it on to you. A Tesla subscription is coming to the United States. Rental car service. Kite, K-Y-T-E, is launching a Tesla Model 3 subscription service, which starting at $995 a month will allow users to drive a Tesla for three months, six months, or 12-month terms. Okay, so $995 a month for six... Oh, a subscription car service? Isn't that called a lease? Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Huh. Is that what the venture capitalists are saying? This is this is why you want us here? Because we've come up with a new way of saying the word lease, subscription. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, some people want the newer of the new. Spotify has a car thing going on. And inside the company, it's called a car thing. It's a small touchscreen device that can effectively replace your car's built-in stereo. It is a car thing. 
it is one of the weirdest devices I've ever seen. And keep in mind, I've seen a lot of weird devices like the Apple Newton, the Spotify car thing makes listening to music on the road easier. It's perfect for users who can play music from their phone, but have no easy way of controlling it. It's a car thing. It is Bluetooth. Um, it's very odd to explain. Do we need this? It doesn't feel like we do. But if you like the interface and you don't like the car, like, okay, I got it. My truck has got a, a screen that's like seven years old and the interface for music on it is awful. Uh, you have to hit AM or FM or USB or Bluetooth. You have to hit all that kind of stuff. And it's clunky. So it's a beautiful interface that's going to Bluetooth into your car. Okay. Do we need it? No. Will it catch on? Don't know. Will it make Spotify a hardware company? Probably not. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. It's the Spotify car thing. Go Google that one today. Have fun. Get a good snicker. Kind of like a segue. Not exactly sure what we're going to use it for. I'm Rob Black. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, the Rob Black Show. Let's talk a little real estate. I think there's a lot of components to getting to retirement. There's stocks, there's bonds, there's real estate. There's asset allocation, equity, diversification. There's time. There's how much you earn. There's how much you save. There's how much you invest. The real estate industry is a big part of the United States. It has jobs around it like developers, attorneys, appraisers, researchers, financial analysts, construction workers, sale and leasing personnel, office managers, office support, grounds crews. It employs at least a couple million. Last time I saw, I could be a higher number now in the United States. And again, how many does it actually employ? You know, full-time versus part-time. The part-time numbers are huge. The first constructed hotel in the United States came about in 1791. Um, New York City. A 73-room hotel. You go back to 1791, 92. You go to that time frame, right? Like, like that, that should blow your mind. Real estate development is sensitive to fluctuations in the economy and in turn contributes to, uh, into the cycles. So do you believe there's a cycle? I do. Do you believe that there is a boom to bust? maybe not bust, but there's times where we're definitely ahead of ourselves. There's times where we kind of struggle. You can see rents rising, rents going sideways. Maybe rents are tied towards employment. You'll start figuring this all out on your own, I hope. Economic prosperity in the 1920s brought a huge expansion of real estate to Americans. And that got them from office buildings into hotels, into apartment buildings. Have you ever come to a new city and you're like, I wonder who owns these hotels? I'm not talking about the Hiltons or the Hyatts or the Marriott's, but how many hotels have you stayed at that are like a local bomb and pop? And you're like, whoa, I was talking to a person yesterday 
And um, his parents own an office building. I'm like, that's an interesting one because not a lot of people own office buildings. And but yet someone owns that office building, right? Um, mortgage stability was a big part of turning real estate into something digestible for all. It followed the Great Depression and World War II. It aided into the expansion of urban housing. It created scenarios where we started creating shopping malls for the suburbanites. Another new form of stores. Stores used to be a big city kind of thing. Marge, we're going to take the, we're going to go into the big city and go to Sears. But post-World War II, it's like, we're going to leave the big city and go get a piece of our own American dream. There have been times of restrictive monetary policies and times of easing monetary policies when it comes to real estate. We create the cycles ourselves by lowering interest rates and raising interest rates. And by having Congress say, you know what? I'm not happy that all the Caucasian voters are happy and content owning real estate. We want to open it up to Caucasians with lower incomes instead of just the higher incomes. And then we're going to open it up to blacks and Latins in America. You kind of expand it and you kind of say, what's considered prime? What's considered subprime? Who gets the lowest rates? What causes the lowest rates? Should everyone get low rates? And ultimately, you create a scenario where money's too easy and real estate goes up too high because it gets into too many people's hands. We had restrictive monetary policies in the 60s. You had an energy crisis in the United States, oil lines, Iraq, Iran, uh, hostage scenario. What do you call that now? It was the Iran hostage gate. Like I've even forgotten the name. I was a young kid, keep in mind. But the 70s had super high inflation, as did the early 80s. The 70s had the energy crisis. The 90s had a savings and loan crisis. Inflation and overproduction of homes in the 1990s, early part of it. And then essentially from 2000 to 2020, roughly, it it became an an asset that kind of worked with stocks. As stocks created wealth for people, people would cash out of stocks and buy real estate. Um, Historically, this is kind of a new time where stocks have created a real estate investor. Not totally true. Not totally true. But I do think the rules were written heavily for um, the voting class in the 1960s. But when we start talking about prosperity in the United States, and there's kind of a wealth effect, I could tell you that my first home was very stressful for me. I bought it for $94,000 25 years ago. It was in Washington, D.C. Today, that is easily worth $400,000. Do I wish I kept it? No, because I took that, sold it for $250, came to the Bay Area, bought a home, 
held it for a period of time, sold it, bought a bigger home, held it for a period of time, sold it, bought my final home, hopefully until I retire. I've created wealth with stocks and with real estate. In my life, I've never really created wealth with bonds. Bonds are meant a little bit more so to protect wealth, in my opinion. Um, so it's an interesting thing to talk about, in my opinion. Real estate is land. All the natural parts of land, such as trees and water and permanently attached improvements, such as fences and buildings. You can create wealth by owning real estate. And I highly recommend you do. I don't recommend you do things like what's promised in TV infomercials. Where, yes, you too could be a, like the stuff that Kiyosaki says is just silly. Does it work in an up market? Sure. Does it put you in bankruptcy in a down market? Yeah. Do you think you should be a slumlord when you are a high school biology teacher? I don't think you should be. Do I want you to continue to own real estate? Yeah. And wait, wait, wait. Let me correct that. When you're a high school biology teacher, I, I don't really want you to be a slumlord. What I want you to be is a, a wise investor. So if you, like I own a, a real estate property back in North Carolina. I, I haven't been in North Carolina in 15 years. I haven't even seen the place in 15 years. Um, and before that, I, I've probably seen the home that I own there three times total in my life. And I've had a property management company take care of it the whole time. I don't, I don't have keys to it. Is that not weird? That's weird for me. Um, so yeah, you can be a money manager or a portfolio manager or a radio talk show host or a biology teacher. But what I did there was I have a professional management service. They're not cheap, but they also take care of the problems that I don't foresee. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. We're talking real estate, monetary policy, ups and downs, and much, much more. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. We're talking about a home. It's a very romantic idea. Home, it's where I want to be. I I get it. And I, I love it. As a child, I'd moved 16 times before I was 18 years old. Not because I was a ward of the court or anything like that, but because my dad was in the military. Um. I never stayed in one place for more than 18 months. And sometimes it was like nine months. It was in and out. Research has shown that adolescents' mental health is heavily tied towards homes. And during the pandemic, home was not a very safe place. A survey nationwide of high school students found high levels of emotional stress with 44% describing persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness that prevented them from participating in normal activities. 55.1% of teenage respondents said they suffered emotional abuse from a parent and another or another adult in their house in the last year of the pandemic. 9% reported an attempted suicide. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Did one out of 10 high school kids report suicide during the pandemic? or at least one effort or one idea of it. And it just goes to show me that I don't really know what's going on in homes sometimes, right? And that lockdowns were, were the opposite of what we wanted. We were safe from a disease maybe, but we started creating 
lonely children who didn't get outside and play. Let's keep talking about real estate. It's a big concept. Um, when you retire, where do you want to live? When you're young, where do you want to live? Do you want to live close? I've always wanted to live close to work. Uh, there's been a couple times where I've rented an apartment or bought a home close to work to the point where I was like, I'm not even looking for the ho- dream home that I want. I'm looking for the functional home. I want to talk a little bit about retirement because I've, I've given you the concept of your first home and I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I'm giving you the concept that I've traded up a lot. Now I'm thinking about retiring sometime in the next five, 10, 15 years. You need to make sure that your finances are in order before you do that. But you also have to make a, 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 a decision about where you're going to live. Some seniors prefer to stay put in their current house. My mother came up with a decision that when my father died, she wanted to die in the same house he did. She had a chance to go back to her sister and spend her last 20 years with people she knows and loves because we uprooted so many times. We didn't have lifelong friends or lifelong neighbors, neither the kids nor the mom. Some seniors just want to live in that house out of comfort, comfort. And not wanting to change. Have we all gone through a move where we basically hate a life? We're like, and then here later, you're like, where did we pack the passports at? And you just look at your spouse like you want to kill them. It's like, you know, when you move, the one thing you need to move is a safe with your passports in it or something. Like it needs to like, and you're like, but we don't even have a safe. How would we do that? <laughs> it's like, you just get mad at each other. So, As I approach retirement, I'm not worried about running short of money. I still look at my net worth for sure. I'm still, you know, anxious when the markets are down. I'm still, you know, excited when markets are up, but I I temper it, temper it, temper it. But if I was afraid of running short of money, I would strongly consider selling. I've talked to clients and client prospects before where, I run through what he got and they're like, well, I didn't really start saving because I was enjoying my youth. So at age 45, I started saving. So I've got $200,000 saved for retirement. I'm like, that's not enough. You're 60 years old and you only have to, not enough. What else you got? And sure enough, they have a house that, you know, has $500,000 of equity in it. I'm like, okay, you know, you're gonna have to sell that one day to live off. Or you're, you're going to have to let there's reverse mortgages. You, there's a big boy. You can uh, sell it and move to a cheaper state. Although these days that option seems dubious at best. You decide to sell if you're heading into retirement and you're worried about sh- running short of money. You decide to sell the home that you're in or should consider it at least if you still owe a lot on your mortgage and you've hit retirement, and you've basically budgeted yourself your daily living expenses and not much else. You got to retirement, you got enough to last, but it would be wise to not spend an extra 1000 to $2,000 on a mortgage if you could spend 700 to 1400 on rent. That's going to be for you to decide. I see way too many. Number one mistake I see in real estate, the number one, is people that own a house that are upside down on it. No, no, not even upside down. 
that they have a bigger mortgage payment than they can get for rent. They couldn't even rent it. They could live somewhere else cheaper than living in the home. They could they could put a tenant in it and be upside down for five hundred dollars a month. I've seen people lose five thousand dollars a year in mortgage payments, or the rent comes up short five thousand dollars. And what they're hoping for is that real estate always goes up, and it doesn't. In fact, it's quite brutal when it doesn't. I always factor in when I'm looking at my net worth, if I'm at an all-time high, I always go, you know what? Let's take some money out for taxes. Let's take some money out for capital gains. Let's take some money out for <clears throat> a down market. So if my net worth is $10 million, I'll say, yeah, let's go with $6 million. And you may think that sounds crazy, but it gives me a truer sense of what it comes down to when everyone gets their piece of the action. So if I hit retirement and my budget just isn't quite making ends meet, if I hit retirement and my budget's fine, but there's not enough room for emergencies, I might downsize my home from living in a home to renting a room. You should consider selling your home in retirement if you have massively high property taxes. Some homes have very high property taxes. If yours is one of them, housing may continue to cost you a lot of money, even when your mortgage is paid off. Uh, because I own a home north of $2 million, my property taxes are obnoxious. Obnoxious in the state of California. To the point that I... Would if I was financially constrained, I would say, honey, we need to get this property tax off our back and rent where we don't have to pay property taxes or move to a state that has a lower home price or lower property taxes. And also a time to consider selling a home as you're in those retirement days of figuring out what it's going to look like for you is you have a fixer upper. If you're constantly doing maintenance and repairs and you find it a financial or physical burden, it may be time to say, you know what? She was a lovely home, but she's got old bones. I need something that's a little bit easier for my 65-year-old body to, to maneuver around in as well as to fix up. Just things to think about. I'm starting to. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. So I'm not an alarmist. I own real estate, and yet I never try to time the market. For me, I, whether it be the real estate market or the stock market, let me be very clear on that. For me, it's time in those markets, not timing the markets. A lot of people will drop me emails and say, should I buy real estate now? Or should I wait for a crash, a correction, a pullback, maybe a sign from God, maybe a clap? 
Should I wait for a burning bush? I'm not making fun of religion here. I'm just telling you, people are that, how shall we say, superstitious about real estate. It's impossible not to be. When you hear things like, oh, I was the, this is hilarious. Let me give you a quick example. When I bought a home in San Carlos, I was probably the last home in 2007, 2008 that bought a home under bidding. So I took her price and I cut $25,000 off and she accepted it. Um, I said, it's all cash offer. It's all completely financed. You could be out tomorrow. She was elderly and she was getting ready to go into her home and it was put into a trust for her kids. And it's interesting 12 years later that, you know, $950,000 is worth two and a half million dollars. But her and her husband probably bought it for 150000 and sold it for nine hundred fifty, and her kids probably thought it was jackpot. How time plays, no? So everyone wants to buy a home when they're crashing. They want to get a discount. I bought a home at a discount because 2006, 2008 was the last real estate crisis we've had in the United States. I bought a home under asking. The recent home I bought was probably the highest per square footage home, pretty darn close to it. Um, So I way overpaid for the next one. It's kind of interesting, right? At one point, I have a lot more financial comfort, economic security. So it's impossible to check the financial news without seeing real estate and real estate crashing, or is now the time to buy real estate? Commercials is now the time to get out of real estate. Confusion, confusion, confusion. Use me. So crash or popping bubble. A lot of people believe that real estate is in a bubble, including some high members of the Federal Reserve. You might define a real estate bubble as a period which the following are true. There's a greater demand for homes and supply of homes. Okay, that sounds like us. There's an unusual spike in home prices. Up 20% year over year is very unusual considering historically real estate has gone up about 4% per year, sometimes five, but never 20. Okay, so we got two that looks like a bubble, i.e. more demand for homes and supply and spike in the prices. Number three, more investors than average enter the market, trying to flip houses and make a quick profit. We still have that going on. Yep, yep, yep. There's even a company called Blackstone that goes out and buys homes and rents them because they found it to be a very profitable business uh, model. Blackstone is a company I like for the record. It very much so is a conglomerate similar to Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, where it's a hodgepodge of different companies, but most of them make sense to you. A crasher popping bubble in real estate. We have three for three on the checklist. Number four on the checklist is, are buyers willing to waive contingencies designed to protect their financial interest? Like home inspections and appraisals? Yep, I did that. And I don't regret it, but it's been an expensive price to pay. In order to beat out the competition, I had to overpay and I had to say no appraisals, no inspections. So as I did the appraisals and inspections myself, I'm like, oh, that is an original heater. Oh, that's not good. Um, 
and you look at it and when you say original heater it almost looks like a fireplace like you could put wood in it it's not a wood burning stove but it almost looks like that it looks comical as of writing um down ideas on our homes overvalued or not it, it can create a problem because a home is worth what someone's willing to pay for it it's not like the stock market where you'll see the price of tesla at 890 and then it's at 892 there's no sense in paying 950 for it there's no sense in asking for 700 no you're not going to get it you can now see that we have hit all four signs of a, a real estate bubble, but you still have to look for nuances. One of the nuances that means uh, a sustained period of underperformance is coming would be a softening of home prices. I checked last month's real estate in my areas of homes that I own, and they all were at all-time highs. So when we start talking about, oh, it went sideways for a year or down 4% for a year or 5% for the year. So instead of getting $1,000 a square feet, they're getting $950 a square feet realtors. When you start seeing that softening, that's the extra, okay, we've hit all four things that you have to hit and we've added one to it. When inventory starts to pick up, you should really start getting worried. The true culprit... If, again, you're trying to sell at an absolute high, if you're worried about you know, the month-to-month -month fluctuations, if you're trying to get in and or out at a perfect time, supply and demand boils down to, to something that consumers want and how much do they demand it. We have a day sales outstanding uh, metric that is tied towards like software. Every industry has metrics that are... Um, unique to them in my opinion or things that you're looking for. If you see a company that's selling software or services and they're at a hundred days of day sales outside, means they gave it to someone and they, those someone's haven't paid. And the longer that adds up to a hundred days, 110 days, 120 days, you're eventually going to have to write it off office. They're not going to become a client. So when inventory starts to pick up two months is, is too low of inventory. That means the seller is in charge. And six months is too high. That means the buyer is in charge. So we're currently at a low on supply, creating again a bubble type environment of there's very few homes. So again, everything's adding up to this is going to be a problem, isn't it? When it's two months, a landlord could say, okay, I'm just going to put some wood chips outside. Not a landlord, but an owner could say, I'm just going to put some wood chips outside and sell it as is. When you're at six, seven, eight months, that means they've been paying a mortgage and they've been trying to get out of it for almost half a year. And they're like tired of that mortgage payment. So they're more willing to deal. There's no bidding wars at six months, right? Um, something's not selling. Confidence declines. This is an interesting one. Um, Fannie Mae has got surveys. And if you go Google Fannie Mae real estate survey, start reading them on occasion. It'll make you a better informed investor when it comes to real estate. Um, if you see something in a survey, like 45% of respondents expect home prices to increase over the next 12 months, while 58% expect mortgage rates to go up. 
that doesn't necessarily work well together. 17% of those surveyed said they were concerned about losing their jobs. So people losing their jobs is another big reason why real estate fails. And it can drag you down because the unemployment hit your neighbor and not you. So I bought a home for $885 a square foot. If my neighbor loses their job and they're like, they got to get out, they got to get money. They got to go to a cheaper, they got to move back to mom and dad. They got to get out of the area. They got to get out of California. They may be willing to accept $800 instead of the 885 that I paid. And I'm like, oh, that's a comp. My comp will be in the books for a long period of time. Um, because that's how we appraise real estate. It's kind of stupid to be quite honest with you. Oh, your neighbor sold their house for a thousand dollars a square foot. So we'll start your house at a thousand, but my neighbor had marble floors and gold toilets. And I just have a shack that I, I poo into a hole. Well, okay. So we'll go for 999 a square foot. <laughs> the real estate industry is kind of like that. So that's problematic when confidence declines, when I start seeing my friends and family leave the state, my friends and family uh, lose their jobs. And real estate had a big funky one with COVID, did it not? Where people were like, I got to get out of the city. I got to go get to the mountains. I got to get fresh air. I got to go on hikes. And you, you can't get COVID if you're walking by someone on a hike. And you're like, let's do hikes. Like that's people went nuts and relocated, which is, I'm cool with it. I didn't see it coming. You know, if 30 years ago, you said, write out a map for real estate, that would not have been included in it. So you got to go with things on occasion. And another time when a sign that the housing market is overpriced and it should be cooling and it could crash even is when you march interest rates higher. And that's exactly what's happening in 2022. Mortgage rates recently topped. I got a mortgage for two and a half percent. One year later, I could get the same exact mortgage, $500,000 for almost 5%. Now, I would say now I don't really need it. So 5%, eh, let's just get a mortgage of 200000 So I would have bought less or I would have less cash available. So the cost of the mortgage is really what moves the price of a home in my mathematical mind. The cheaper the cost of mortgage, the higher the price of the real estate goes. And the opposite is true. The higher the cost of the money, the less people can buy. Now, again, it is not that pure. But I'm telling you, I'm not far off on that. It's not the home that goes up or down in value. It's the ability to pay and service that mortgage that goes up and down in value. I gave you some ideas on how to look at housing crashes. Work with it. Figure out what works for you. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. If you listen to the show on a regular basis, you know that I like real estate. If you listen to the show on a regular basis, you know that I like stocks. If you listen to the show on a regular basis, you know that I can't figure out a role for bonds in my world. When I retire and I'm counting my money, like Count D. Monet, I'm going to be counting it every day. One, two, three, four. And hopefully by the end of the day, I get to 10 million, right? Um, I'm pretty honest the way I approach this as best as I can be. And the only things I'll ever embellish are like people's names to protect them. I think that's important to say out loud. Um, 
I've seen some pretty nutty stuff. I like real estate agents who are not attractive. And I know you're saying, where are you going with that one, Rob? I, I'm not, you don't have to look good to sell me a home. You have to tell me that it's got good schools and that you remember when you were a little girl, there's a fight on the corner with Bobby McGee. And I'm like, cool. You really do know this neighborhood well, and you really have seen it change. I'm, I'm not looking for the nice car. I've had realtors come to my house driving Segways and like, hey, you want to go on a ride for a Segway? You want to sell your house? I'm like, what is this? What a bad gimmick. Um, I've seen basically the Chinese version of Crazy Eddie and you know Crazy Eddie, right? The New Jersey electronic salesperson on commercial. This is Crazy Eddie and everything has to go. We're giving away stereos for free, 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 free. I've seen that with the Chinese flavor appealing to Chinese buyers. And like some of the mailers I get, I'm like, wow, this is like really, really expensive. Real estate agents come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. One thing that I don't like and what I would like is, is for a college degree to be necessary because you're actually dealing with people's lives. And a college degree doesn't really teach you all that much other than how to get through a process. Um, I'd rather see like an SAT score for realtors. Um, they differ from state to state and most states have a, a, a thing. If you can breathe into a mirror and, and get some fog, you can be a real estate agent. I've seen some really uneducated real estate agents and I've seen some really smart real estate agents. Um, <clears throat> I bought a mountain home four years ago and I had never bought a luxury mountain home. I had never done anything like that. I'd never bought a getaway, a cabin. I'd never bought anything on the beach, nothing. And the statement that I heard was kind of BS, but I liked it was you don't really buy this to get the investment appreciation. You buy it to like a piece of art, a Van Gogh, a Rembrandt. You look at it for 20 or 30 years and you go, that's really beautiful. I've enjoyed this. And hopefully after 20, 30 years, you're like, hey, I'm up. Luxury real estate has an incredible cyclical nature to it. And you can find that you bought a luxury home in, say, Lake Tahoe, only to find out that Lake Tahoe becomes, you know, a wildfire haven and say, suddenly no one wants to be there. Who wants to get married in the most romantic lake in the world when there's thick smoke choking us out? So, yeah, you can kind of get into a, for instance, I remember in the Bay Area, it's like every five years, there's a new hotspot. Let's go to Grenada. Let's go to Belize. Let's go to Costa Rica. Um, let's go to Panama. There's always like a hot spot that's up and coming, coming up. Real estate kind of works that way too, luxury real estate. Again, just try to build your own thesis on real estate. Don't be the person who goes, it always goes up because it doesn't. Don't, don't be the person who tells someone who really can't afford a payment to get into a home. An associate that I know who is in the real estate industry referred me someone that he was like, yeah, this guy's thinking he's going to get too rich on real estate. So I'm sending him back to you so that you can talk to him and, and show him the, the benefits of stock ownership versus real estate. I appreciate that. A chief economist who called the 2008 housing crisis warns that the U.S. housing market is in its early stages of a substantial downshift as demand subsides and says surging home prices and rents are due to cool off in a big way. Now, this is Ian Shepardson. He is my favorite economist. 
not that I think he's always right. He just, he's, he always gets me thinking. He's with Pantheon Macroeconomics. I followed him for over 25 years. He looks at the Census Bureau and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. The median home price in the United States has grown about 27% since the second quarter of 2020. So in two years, um, he's seen it go too much. Slowing demand right now and rising interest rates, he thinks that's going to be a double whammy that, that causes real estate. He wants to warn you. More rate increases would continue to push mortgage rates higher along with other consumer-focused borrowing costs. Does anyone think the Fed is close to done? I do not. The Fed, for, let's say the worst case scenario is that they do raise six more times, right? That's going to be six more times in mortgage rates creep higher. And that's going to be over a year period. So this is not going to be instant gratification. Some people wish the Fed didn't have the mechanism to raise and lower interest rates that supply and demand would do it for them. More rate increases equal higher mortgage rates with more focus on consumer borrowing costs. The housing market is in its early stages of a substantial downshift in activity, which will trigger a steep decline in the rate of increase of home prices starting perhaps as soon as spring 2022. The average 30-year mortgage has risen by 125 basis points since last September. The average monthly payment is up over 27%. And again, you hear about wage increases. You don't hear about that kind of wage increase. So all I'm getting at is it's okay to have a negative opinion. It's okay to see a negative opinion. You don't need to be a Pollyanna and live in a world of real estate can't go down because it can. Go to Zillow and take a look at the history of your home and you'll see periods where it underperforms. And that's okay. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. I work with EP Wealth if you need a referral. If you need your real estate looked at for a rental versus an ownership angle, we do it all. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.